0: And now, live, it's time.
1: Car will go back into the gun. Jacobs cuts Perfect. middle, walks in. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. We have a good team. We have a good team that competes with us all all time. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM.
2: We don't feel like effort's been an issue at all. Gets the handoff, busts toward the end. Jackpot, baby.
1: Pinion drink. Takes
2: it home. Here's your host,
0: JT The
2: Brick. Welcome back, everybody. It's hour number two of Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by BillsHappen.com. My great friends who are Raider fans have the ability to get you money, especially over the holidays, quickly. BillsHappen.com. Go check out the site and see if you're in a pinch, if you have bad credit, if you need a loan, a short-term loan, if you need help over the holidays or any time, these are Raider fans, season ticket holders, my friends. They'll get you set up at BillsHappen.com. Go to BillsHappen.com. Will Hobson's going to join us in a minute from the Washington Post. He's covering the Daniel Snyder story. Uh, we're just monitoring what's going to happen with the Cleveland Browns in their COVID situation. 13 up to 16 players, how that could change in the next 24 hours. It's very fluid. And again, as I said, it's important that the players that are in COVID protocol hopefully get out of it. You know, the Raiders are not looking to feast on a team that has a whole bunch of players missing due to COVID protocol. You want to be able to win a game at full strength. The problem is the Raiders are not at full strength. So we find out again today, moments ago from Ritz Passaccia, Trayvon Mullen will not play. Denzel Perryman will not play. And the biggest name, Darren Waller, not going to be able to play. What a shame for Darren, who could have had a great year this year, following up the numbers last year, but the injury has sidelined him now going on three games, and that hurts. Foster Moreau's got to play better. Now, Foster Moreau's on this team. Everybody's told me that he could be a starting tight end on another team. No, he's a starter now. He's got to play like a starter. He's got to put up some numbers, especially in a short passing game with weather. He should be the guy that's open. He should be the guy that can use his body to get open. With Perryman out, you know, we'll see who's going to be able to play. Divine Diablo's going to play more. He's going to get more snaps. Malcolm Kuntz. I said this after seeing Malcolm Koontz at practice and seeing what he's done recently. He's a defensive end out of Buffalo. I wish they could morph him into an outside linebacker. I wish he could play linebacker behind the two defensive ends who shouldn't come off the field, Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby. I'd just like to see Koontz and Diablo fly around and tackle people. That's all I'm looking for. Not great decisions and these smart moves and all these. They're rookies. Just get them out there. You would hope that Littleton would play at a high level, but I haven't seen it. And you wonder what's going to happen at linebacker with the rest of the players. I also believe that Jonathan Abrams is more of a linebacker than a safety. I'd like to see him just run around like Micah Parsons and run around and tackle people. I don't care what position he's in. And this team is banged up, and so is Cleveland due to COVID. So this is a game that the Raiders have to win. We've talked about must-win this, that they have to win this game. Vic Tafer will join us. In about 20 minutes, we'll talk to him. It's my pleasure to welcome Will Hobson to the show, sports reporter for the Washington Post. He's been covering the investigation of the Washington football team and what's going on with Daniel Snyder. Will, appreciate a few minutes of your time today, and let's start with the backstory of when you were assigned to this story and now that you've started chasing this story about Daniel Snyder and his alleged interference.
3: Sure. I mean, so, you know, a few colleagues and I were reporting during the for the, really the duration of last year, into allegations of widespread sexual harassment at a team. And as we were doing that reporting, you, we kept hearing from, you know, our sources that, that, you know, things were occurring that they viewed as, a you know, attempts to interfere with the league's investigation. Uh, and it wasn't until this year, over the last few months, that we've been able to get some folks on the record and, and get some, some understanding of some of the documents that, that, so we could put together this story.
2: So it comes down to the fact that this is Snyder and his attorneys and certain people in his tight group that were allegedly involved with this and uh, trying to get involvement here. How much can this be connected to Snyder when it comes to evidence and just sources sitting down and talking about this? Because Snyder's pretty sharp over the years of keeping his distance and being, I don't know, almost an introvert and a guy who takes a step back and wants to make sure – no one's watching him like he's almost paranoid. Is that fair? Uh,
3: I mean, I, you know, all I can say is, and it's, this is a discussion we had internally, is how much can you lay blame for something done by a private investigator or a lawyer working for Dan Snyder on Mr. Snyder himself? Uh, you know, I think that the chief, the chief allegation here is that his lawyers offered more money to a woman who had already settled a sexual misconduct claim with the team. They offered her more money if she agreed not to speak with the NFL's investigator. Um, now, it's important to note that, that Mr. Snyder's lawyers have uh, denied that allegation, but mm-hmm. it, it was raised by a rather credible attorney locally, a guy by the name of Brendan Sullivan.
2: Will Hobson is our guest from The Washington Post. Will, this is a really unique story because, as you know, as the story continues, and there's really two stories about this uh, this investigation, the one you're talking about, and then the John Gruden emails that were released and that whole investigation with Attorney Wilkinson and what's happening there and potential Congress involvement going forward. How does your story lead to this story going forward and the NFL becoming more transparent, in your opinion, and happen to go on the record a little bit more about this conversation we're having and the NFL's overall involvement with the future of Daniel Snyder?
3: I mean, that'll ultimately be up to, I think, how aggressive. Uh, the members of Congress get who have expressed interest in getting answers from the league on this. Uh, But there certainly are some unanswered questions and inconsistent answers that the league has given about those Gruden emails uh, and and sort of their chain of custody. I mean, they they apparently surfaced Dorian Beth Wilkinson's investigation uh, and were leaked to journalists months after it concluded. Mm -hmm. The league has claimed that even though they were emails involving Bruce Allen, the longtime team president, and even though apparently there were some discussions about about women and, and a, a potential sexual nature or cheerleaders in these emails, that for some reason the league deemed them not related to that investigation of the team's workplace culture, which doesn't really add up to lawyers, other lawyers who were involved with that investigation. Um, and yeah, so uh, it, it, with regard to if we will learn anything else, I think that will ultimately be up to Congress.
2: Yeah, Will Hobson is our guest. This is just great reporting from the Washington Post. You know, Will, you just nailed it. The fact that we're talking about an initial sexual harassment in investigation and then the culture and the investigation from the league with uh, Beth Wilkerson and then the fact that this was an oral investigation, that there weren't notes, it wasn't written, it wasn't documented, that there wasn't a report that could be subpoenaed or we can talk about in the future. And the NFL is aware of that. That's why a lot of listeners to my radio shows are just fascinated by this story. And when the NFL in the past has gotten rid of the actual tapes in Spygate, or we go back and say, well, what did it say in the report? And there is no report. How unique is that as you're working at the Washington Post and hear this?
3: I mean, with regard to the NFL, it it is fairly unique. You now they don't do these investigations, you know, like on an annual basis. But mm-hmm. you know, in, in recent history, as you point out, you know, the, the uh, DeflateGate, there was a report um, when the, the Ray Rice uh, domestic violence video, and, and then what the league knew and when there was a public report in that incident. Um, and then when uh, former Carolina Panthers owner Jerry Richardson was accused of uh, harassing employees and using racial a uh, racial slur with an employee. There was no report there, but they at least released executive findings. They at least and the and the league weighed in on did these things happen involving uh, Jerry Richardson, which is not something that's not not a bridge they've walked onto with here in this case with allegations involving Dan Snyder.
2: Will Hobson's our guest from the Washington Post. I try to take stories like this and move it forward. Am I fair to, is it fair to say that you'll be covering this story if this goes on the hill and goes to Congress and this is a story that you'll be chasing going forward? Is that something you'd want to do?
3: Certainly, you know we'll we'll keep yeah. an eye on communications between the league and Congress, and then you know there are other aspects of the story that we can independently report into, you know, such as what is it you know what did Beth Wilkinson find? What did she conclude? And then, you know, this situation in 2009 where a woman accused Dana of something uh, on the back of, the, the back of his plane. Uh, you know, we have so still unanswered questions about what did she accuse Dana of doing and then how did the team respond?
2: Well, what did you think? This is just I just wanted your opinion on this. When the Gruden emails came out and it was just Gruden and it happened in season and you knew the emails were from months before. You and your peers, especially at the Washington Post, when you see that happening, this is a big story, not only for Raider fans, but for Washington football fans, but for fans around the league that want to talk about transparency. I mean, your work is tremendous. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk seems to be the only member of the NFL media that is really covering this story. It doesn't seem transparent from the media. More people I know are really enjoying, not enjoying is the right word, but uh, looking at your story and can see there's so much content here. But because of the league's relationship with that NFL media, there's just a lot of prominent reporters who aren't covering this story, and they're not going to cover this story if it goes away, and it feels like the NFL just wants it to go away. I don't see it going away after the reporting you're doing at the Washington Post.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, for our purposes, it's just dependent on if we can, if we can, you know, find new information to report about, you know, these related situations. Uh, and so, you know, we'll certainly keep doing that. But yeah, I think to, to your point, congressional interests, the fact that John Gruden is suing, there are, these are situations that, in which these, the story is going to keep resurfacing uh, for at least in the near future.
2: And Will, finally, last question on all this, and your reporting is fantastic again. Thanks for joining us as NFL owners are meeting in Dallas at the owners' meetings. Do you have an indication, are you sensing how big of a deal this is as the Super Bowl was just announced, going to Las Vegas in two years, as a COVID protocol? I mean, the NFL has their hands full with just COVID alone and trying to get the league to have teams be able to play heading into this weekend. And then the backdrop of this Dan Snyder story – is a big deal as he's still away from the team. Are you sensing with your sources around the league that other owners are aware of this and this is a big story within those owner owners' meetings?
3: Uh, I mean, from what I'm hearing from our folks who cover the league, not at the moment. I mean, the NFL is also dealing yeah. with a pretty sizable COVID outbreak right now that I think yeah. is priority number one. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that my sense is that this will become more of a big deal for owners if if it continues to be a you know, negative story for the league. If if you know Roger Goodell's got to come down to D.C. At a, for a congressional hearing, etc. But mm-hmm. uh, but at the moment, no. I mean, I always get the sense that we're kind of like sort of like flies buzzing around the ears of Goodell and Co.
2: Yeah, it's It's tremendous. This is such a big story, and the fact that you're reporting on it. And I want everybody to follow your work on Twitter at the Will H-O-B-S-O-N. Will, I know you've been really busy since the column came out. Thanks for making time for me.
3: No problem, Dan. Thanks for having
2: us. You got it. Thank you. Will Hobson co-authored. Daniel Snyder pledged support of the NFL investigation. His actions tell of a different story. And it, it clearly seems like this is a Daniel Snyder cover-up right from the initial sexual assault allegations 2009 on his plane to the issue of the overall Washington football team investigation, which is at the forefront of the NFL and with you, the fans, as a discussion here because of the Gruden emails that were leaked. And once the Gruden emails were leaked, everybody wondered why, when, the Raiders are 5-2. and two. How could this possibly happen now? How is this happening now to a football team that started off 3-0? and The timing of that, everyone, any fan of any team said, wait, that doesn't seem right. No one's defending the Gruden emails. The Gruden emails, you, cannot, you can't defend it. You know, you could talk about privacy and his lawsuit coming forward. That's for a different day. But the timeline doesn't add up. And then when Will Hobson put out this column, and how there are more eyeballs now, including the Washington Post, on a potential cover-up of Snyder from the story before the Gruden emails. Now the lasers are on Snyder again, who does not have control of his team, even though he does. His wife has it in control. A lot of NFL owners have a lot of other big issues that they're dealing with, as we said in the interview, that have to do with COVID. But they're going to come around to this. And I've always said I'm a big believer if this gets in front of Congress – a lot of the NFL owners want nothing to do with that. No one wants to have to be deposed and to testify and talk about this, especially the commissioner. And I've said for years, I think this is a good commissioner most of the time. I think he makes really good decisions for the league. But when it comes to this, it's like the movie Watergate. It's not the crime. The crime is horrible if Daniel Snyder allegedly was involved in a sexual misappropriation on this plane and what he did. No doubt about that. And with Beth Wilkerson, as she did her investigation in-house, the fact that there seems like there's a massive cover-up coming from Daniel Snyder means that this story is not going to go away. And the only way this story is going to come to a conclusion is if Congress gets involved and there are people involved with Snyder and other individuals in front of congressmen and women under oath, On television, as I've said from day one, just like the steroid investigation in front of Congress and the steroid hearings. The last thing the NFL wants is a look like Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, Sammy Sosa, Bud Selig sitting in front of Congress, getting grilled by people who want answers. But it worked. But it worked. So if you remember the steroid issue in front of a congressional hearing, it worked. It cleaned up baseball. And it put a lot of people in an uncomfortable situation. And I believe that Daniel Snyder needs to be put in that uncomfortable situation. Because as I said from day one, it's had a big effect on the Las Vegas Raiders. Period. And I think a lot of Raider fans understand that too. Appreciate Will Hobson coming on. It's a big story. How come only Mike Florio is reporting on it every day? I don't know. It, they, they want it to go away. Mike Florio will not let it go away. His reporting, I think, has been exceptional on this. Vic Taffer will join us. And Lee Sterling, who's got three NFL games for free that could give you the edge coming up here in a little bit. Brought to you by Five Iron Golf inside Area 15. Raise your golf entertainment level.
1: We went through a very lengthy uh, period of investigation and discussions. The one thing I can say with 100% assurance is that it didn't interfere uh, with the work that our investigator did. We were able to access all the people that she wanted to access.
2: Man, that is a great non-answer from Roger Goodell in regards to Daniel Snyder, I'll tell you that. He knew that was coming at the owners' meetings. JT, back with you. Vic Taford joins us. The great job he does covering the Raiders through the athletic. Uh, Vic, we saw Coach Passaccia. We played some of it here. No Darren Waller. Perryman, obviously the issue with the injuries. Trayvon Mullen. Raiders still banged up going into their biggest game of the year.
4: Yeah, it's not good. I think you saw without Waller and Perryman, it's definitely tough. Those are definitely two of the top, top players in this team. Uh, both sides of the ball struggled last week, so um Uh, Yeah, a lucky break, though. The Browns have a lot of COVID problems, so maybe that will be the difference this, this weekend.
2: Yeah, Vic, and how's it been for you covering this story? You know, we had Mary Kay Cabin on the other day, and I'm looking for refreshing the Internet every minute and looking at her page to see who's available and the fact that they have to pass COVID protocol Friday instead of Saturday that makes this next 24 hours really important to the Raiders.
4: Yeah, clearly, these names are you know are piling up all over the league as far as the guys who are getting the list, and also just as fast the league's trying to keep up with new policies. They want these games to go on. They don't want to postpone any games this year, so they're trying their best to get these things taken care of as quickly as possible, so guys can get processed and get back on the field as soon as possible.
2: Hey Vic, I look at the team and where they stand at this point in time. The drop off. Since the Dallas game is alarming, and this is a team averaging close to 33 points a game, and then in the last six games, the drop-off down to 17.2. And I asked Coach Passaccia about it. He's only going to tell me so much. The offense has sputtered, and now it's almost at a dead halt. How do they get it going in the weather conditions at night in
4: Cleveland? Well, I think you got to really, this is going to sound weird, you got to really, like, focus on your weakness. So, obviously, they, they can't run the ball. I'm this year the Lions have problems with was weather. They're going to have to, so I don't have to go with the jumbo packages. You've got to enforce your will I think on both sides of the ball. you got to definitely run the ball, and you got to stack the box and stop the run on the other side of the ball. So I think they got to take care of what they haven't done so far this year to have a chance to win this game on Saturday.
2: Vic Tapers, is our guest. Vic, from the defensive side, what we're seeing now with Perryman, and I talked to Coach, and I know you've asked questions about this too with Diablo and Kuntz, and now that they have fresh legs and they're going to get more snaps going forward, how do you position both of those players and move them around so they can get more snap, snaps and stay on the field? Who goes to the sideline?
4: It's a great question. I think uh, at this point, looking at Corey Littleton's second his deal, and for whatever reason, hasn't really been the impact that they wanted. Or he wanted so he's the guy. Saw last week, his snaps are going down. I think on the front lines, probably him with Carl Nassib once he gets back from injury, he probably plays a lot less. So I think you have to play these young guys. You have, to, despite what the record is, or going for the playoffs, not going for the playoffs. These guys have to play and get reps.
2: Uh, Vic, I'm happy you said that. I mean, we've given L- Littleton every chance he could to make big plays and be that elite player. Can you talk about when you covered the move when he came here, what his real expectations were? I thought they were for him to take the next step and develop into a pro bowler.
4: Oh, no doubt. You watched him on film with the Rams. He made plays. He kind of made splash plays. Look, I got to cover And also even make plays, you know, chasing the runners down. But it uh, hasn't been the case. year, they said it was a system he didn't quite fit in didn't know what he was going to do. But I think this year has shown that Gus has done a good job of getting guys to kind of he makes the system fit them. So I think the fact that Corey has had a good year this year is even more alarming than last year.
2: Vic Taper from the Athletic cover. You take, take in all his coverage. It's fantastic. Be a subscriber to Vic and the Athletic. You know, Vic, what's important over the years we've been covering this team, there's always practice squad receivers who get an opportunity. It's always, hey, man, this is your opportunity, and it's rare that anybody really takes advantage of that over the last 15 to 20 years. It is rare to go back and find the players who are ready for that next step. And that brings me to Foster Moreau. I think this is go time for him. Waller can't go. A lot of fans say, well, he could start on other teams. Well, he starting now with a must-win game here. And he had a big turnover against Kansas City, what is on the line for him in this game? Because it should be perfect for him, Vic. Short passes over the middle of the field, third and short, to keep the change going. We're not asking him to stretch the field much.
4: I agree. Definitely his last few weeks have been his chance to kind of show he can be a starting tight end in this league. I'm not sure he's done that. Obviously he's a good blocker, but you mentioned the fumble last week. I and mean, There was a fun interception off his fumble. But he's also playing the end zone. That's touchdown pass. I think definitely Wally would have caught that ball. And he didn't. So I know it's a huge comparison. Waller is one of the best players in the league. and But still, he's the guy who has a chance now to make some plays and so far hasn't been able to do that.
2: Wrapping it up with Vic Tay. For Vic, uh, Carr and his demeanor as of late, And clearly, he doesn't have enough time to be super comfortable in the pocket and let those big plays develop. Has there been talk about moving him outside the pocket? I mean, I've talked till I'm blue in the face about up tempo and running (laughs) the play faster and getting out of the huddle faster. But what can they do in this type of game to keep him away from Miles Garrett and move the pocket?
4: Well, I think you go back to I think you got to run the ball. I think, I mean, you got to make sure that some of that works. And I think with Derek's use the quick passes as a kind of run game, just kind of, you know, hate to say dink and dunk, but. Look, really, in this game, you got to do that. And he he can make those kind of high-grade catches to run for his A-Jones and kind of make those running-type players also. But I know it's going to be tough this week because the weather's going to be because there's a be huge front coming in tomorrow. So might be rain, might be snow, who knows. But it's going to be ugly.
2: Hey, Vic, finally, what's the talk on Mariota and the package, the increased package here on third down, maybe getting a series here? What scenario do you see where we can see more of Mariota or the organization and the head coach are all in with Carr to play Pretty much every down, maybe other than one or two.
4: Yeah, I think you've seen them use them more on early downs. They tried. I think they've tried different looks. and They still haven't thrown the ball yet. But I think the problem is that, in my mind, I think Mario's biggest supporter may have been John Gruden, and he's gone. So I'm not sure there's a real rush. We asked him about it you know they're not, they're not excited about taking Carl the game. That's not something they want to do. So I think they're pretty much all in with Derek Carr these last four games.
2: Thank you, Vic. Happy holidays. Travel safe. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. See you at the stadium. All right, All right bud. Take care. And Vic Taffer coming in from the Athletic. Very interesting what he said there at the end. That was very interesting about Mariota and Gruden and that connection. And, yeah, that's fair. But a lot of these coaches came from the Gruden tree. Same guys that worked with Mariota. So that is a very interesting telling point here. What, when would Marcus Mariota be the best fit in this game? If the weather is bad, He could bring in a big play with his legs. Not a first down. Third and one, third and two. If he can do an RPO and dive forward for a first down, great. That's all you want. First down. You want to move the chains. But in a game like this with the weather, due to COVID and all the backups that Cleveland has, maybe he can run an RPO and take it to the house for 40 yards. Why is he here if he can't do that? Why is he here if he can't do that? So they got to get him in the game in these RPO situations on third and short or second and short for a big play. It used to be, look, Hunter Renfro, bring him in for third and short. No, now it's bring him in for every play. Hunter Renfro, you know, you're first and goal at the nine. It's Hunter Renfro. You're inside the red zone at the 19. It's Hunter Renfro. There's no Waller. Moreau is critical in this game. Foster Moreau must show up. He has to. He's paid to be a starter. Darren Waller's out. He's got to prove that he can play in this league as a starter. I think he's going to be a monster part of this game plan to block and obviously to make a couple of big plays in the passing game. Mitch in Jersey. Go ahead, Mitch. You're up next. Happy holidays. Uh, Good to hear from you, Mitch. Go ahead. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I wanted wanted to see uh, Marcus get in the second half. The game was over. I don't, I want to see him throw. I want to see him just play and yeah. a pretty good starter or get something for him. Well, how about Brandon Edwards showing up besides Farr? So, he, I mean, not give him enough. No. But if what little they've given him, he hasn't really done much.
2: Well, first of all, no one wanted Marcus around the league. If anybody wanted Marcus, they would have traded for him. I mean, a lot of teams needed quarterbacks. Carolina, a lot of, you know, New Orleans, there were a lot of play, great fits. For Marcus Mariota to leave the Raiders and for the Raiders to get fair compensation for him for next year, I don't know. There were no takers. Or maybe they didn't like the offers that they were getting. But if you're not going to play Marcus Mariota, you damn better get some draft picks for him. You better get something for him. He's in no man's land right now.
0: Well, I think his value is less than that because you haven't seen much of the guy. Uh-huh. And one more thing. I think that Snyder, anything in Washington is always to be cover up. But I remember my dad him rest in peace, uh, Nixon, it wasn't so bad what he did. Not, especially when compared yeah, with I'm, not rioters,
2: looking, I'm not looking uh, to talk to you about okay. Nixon. Thank you. Thank you, Mitch. Have a great day in New Jersey. We're not going to have a history lesson on Richard Nixon. But the interesting part is the cover-up is always worse than the crime. It's the cover-up. Whenever you get caught doing something, admit it. In this country now, we forgive everybody every 30 seconds when it comes to politics. You do something bad. You fall on the sword, you apologize, and then you start the process. Just make sure you do it on Friday when you screw up because people have no ability to remember anything by Monday and go from there. But when it comes to what could happen next with Daniel Snyder, look, I don't work for the Washington football team. I work for the Raiders. And I can just tell you this again. The Raiders got screwed. We all know they did. The Raiders have taken the high road on this like they do with everything. And the Raiders will have their day. Remember when I was on the radio and the Raiders came in third in Carson, California? If you remember back then, I was the guy on the radio and said the Raiders will have their day. At that point in time, Vegas started to go because of Napoleon McCallum and what was happening with the governor, Brian Sandoval, and Sheldon Adelson and Mark Davis. Now the Super Bowl's here. So when the Raiders got tattooed on the release of those emails, which were terrible emails, and John Gruden's going to have to clear his name on his own, when it comes down to that, the timing of that is what's going to make this so interesting going forward. Because if they release those emails a month before the start of the season, no problem. Raiders go out and get a new head coach of their choosing. Had plenty of time. When they dropped those emails at that time, they put the Raiders in a very difficult situation. And the Raiders were cruising. Cruising at that point in the season. And look what's happened since. Is it a part of it? Absolutely it's a part of it. It ruined the stability of the coaching staff at that point in time. That's fact, not fiction. And the Raiders will have their time again when it comes to those emails and how the Washington football team affected this franchise in Vegas. I promise you that. I don't know the date. I don't know when, but it will come. It always comes back. All right, Lee Sterling will join us next from Paramount Sports. He's going to give us three NFL games. I'm excited with all these crazy lines. I can't wait. There's a couple of big lines out there. Let's see what Lee's got. He joins us next.
0: Stevenson's got the puck right now. Centery rifles it up for Pacioretty, cuts in, in front, he scores! Seven games in a row. Max Pacioretty has scored a goal. This one gives Vegas a 2-0 lead. Pacioretty,
2: red hot. You better believe it. Wait till this team is at full strength with Jack Eichel. Wait till that. You want to talk about America's party, we're going to have it with this hockey team. Every week, Lee Sterling joins us from Paramount Sports, a pro's pro. Go to ParamountSports.com. He has three games for us, as he does every week. And, Lee, welcome in. And as we begin, I just wanted to ask you how your prep has been this week with the COVID issues. The Rams and their big win in Arizona, the Raiders-Cleveland game, and what we're seeing with the Washington football team. How do you and your staff prep for these games with all the COVID that is changing again?
1: It is absolutely exhausting. I mean, every 20, 30 minutes, another player, uh, key player, we find out is not going to be playing (laughs) this weekend and guys are declaring college football bowls, uh, uh, for the NFL draft and pulling out. So, uh, anyone expecting, you know, selections uh, for my clients, uh, any more than two, three hours before the game, it's not going to happen. So I'm going to have to work a little bit harder, but, uh, Hopefully, in
2: the end, it works out. All right, Lee, let's move on yep. to what I think is really a big game, Indy and New England. I know how good Indy is, but Indy is, but they remind me of the Chargers. They play well, and then they take a step back. And this team hasn't been dominant yet this year, and we know how good New England is with their defense and how they're protecting Mac Jones. Line opened up originally New England minus 2.5. Now you have it here, Indy minus 2 at home. How do you see this game?
1: Yeah, and, and, and another factor here, for some reason, there's some teams every year, two, three teams in the NFL that play much better on the road than they do at home. Maybe they come together, and that's been the case for the, the Patriots so far. Six and 0 straight up, five and 1 against the spread, and I, I think the Patriots are going to use the same exact game plan that Tampa Bay did, uh, make Indianapolis throw the football, and Indianapolis had success in the first half, and, uh, then you, who knows, uh, you take your chances with Carson Wentz with the ball in his hands. And he's been known at least the last couple of years, not to be able to uh, take control and and, and not be able to turn the ball over. So I just think you have the more sound team, the better defense in the Patriots, number one in scoring defense, number three in yards per play allowed here. Uh, Obviously the better coaching staff here. So uh, I think we're going to see New England run the record to 7-0 and straight up, 6-1 and against the spread on the road. Wrong team favorite, Patriots 27-23.
2: Patriots win outright. Let's move on to a really important test, I believe, even though Lamar Jackson's injury is the big talk, uh, topic of conversation. Green Bay open minus two. Now it's five-and-a-half because of the Baltimore quarterback situation. Total on this game from 45-and-a-half down to 43-and-a-half. I, I can't wait to see Aaron Rodgers play in Baltimore coming off that win And what he did against Chicago. I want to see Aaron Rodgers go up against a fundamentally sound defense, even though Baltimore has lost more defenders here. This is an interesting game for me. I don't know which Baltimore team's going to show up. How do you have it?
1: Well, I think they'll show up, but here's the problem. They're going to have to take chances. And when you take chances against Aaron Rodgers, you're going to get burned. They just can't sit there and and cover two defense or, or one high safety. It's just not going to work against this type of quarterback and the weapons that he has. So... Uh, Packers, they can't just, you know, relax now. They're 10 and 3 and they're tied with the Cardinals and the Bucks. Uh, they want home field advantage and, uh, could be big in the playoffs. So, uh, uh you know, it, it, I do, I'm looking at this Baltimore team without their best, uh, cover guy and Humphrey. That's a huge loss here. And I think most of what the damage they did last week was against a Cleveland team just sat back and just was protecting the lead here. I think Green Bay's defense is very underrated here. I think they double up Baltimore thirty-four seventeen.
2: Thirty-four seventeen. That's a big number for Green Bay. I wanna move on to another game that I think is really important. Tennessee's been a great team at times this year, waiting for Derrick Henry. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's at home and this is probably the last chance they have with that tie that they have on the record. Considering there's Cleveland and the Raiders and a lot happening with Cincinnati. Pittsburgh's still alive, and this is the end of the run for Big Ben Roethlisberger at home, and the line movement's been pretty interesting here. It opened up Tennessee, minus 2.5. It's a pick em somewhere. We'll use the Superbook line like you have here. Tennessee, minus 1.5. Total pretty solid there, around 42 to 43. Must-win game for Pittsburgh, and Tennessee's playing for some home field advantage.
1: Yeah, I think Pittsburgh's just going to play with this maybe until the last week, you know, uh One week they look good, and you think maybe they're back and have a shot at the playoffs and then uh the next week, especially the first half last week, they look absolutely horrendous here. uh, their superiority uh over so many years was because of at the point of attack, offensive and defensive lines they dominated and and they're probably the weakest right now since maybe the late nineteen sixties so it's gonna be a problem for them, but Tennessee's a team you know when they're hunting, uh they're a better team when they're being hunted. Not the same, and in fact, uh, last four games they've only scored 23, 13, 13, and 20 points here. So I, I think we're going to see Big Ben have a big game against this uh, Tennessee secondary. Uh, they're getting one and a half, too. I think they're going to win by two points, 22-20.
2: Lee Sterling joins us, Paramount Sports, ParamountSports.com. You know how good Lee is. He's transparent. That's a word we use a lot in sports, and we need to see more of it in sports gaming. So, Lee, this is a game. You've been really good with Denver this year with your picks on this team, and Denver is still alive. As a matter of fact, Denver is in a really good spot going forward here if they control their destiny with some big games and seeing what happens in front of them here. Let's talk about this game with the Denver Broncos and Cincinnati Feels like it is an elimination playoff game, and I know you're on the right side on this. How do we get the game?
1: Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, this is this is the game that will, I think, determine whether each of these teams make it to the playoffs, so it uh, uh, should be a whole lot of fun. They want to get this game, just call 800-400-9741. I have a real strong opinion on this game. You want to hop on board last year from the first College Bowl game, and it starts on Friday morning, not on Saturday this year, uh, we won 27 of the last 36 games from the first bowl game through the Super Bowl last year. Double down December. Normally, it's 297 Use coupon code SAVE200, just $97 through December 31st. Just one place, ParamountSports.com.
2: ParamountSports.com. Lee's got you covered for the NFL, bowl games, hockey, UFC, Uh, This is where I give my trusted referrals to my good friend for over two decades, Lee Sterling. Have a good weekend, Lee. Thank you. You you too, JT. Lee Sterling. Appreciate him coming on. Always fantastic, and his picks are posted, unlike other people. I don't know why other people make picks for a living, and they don't post their picks. They only post their winners. Not the case with Lee Sterling. When we come back, more on the Urban Meyer news. There's still some pretty good sound coming in on that. And we'll get back to the Raiders at the Browns and what they have to do. Not what they need to do. It's all been about, hey, they need to do this. No, no. Now we're at what they have to do to win in Cleveland. As the line move has been incredible. Good time to get in if you want to get a call in before the top of the hour. 702-365-9200. JT, M Resort, Spawn Casino on Saturday.
1: Being in the community and giving back to the community
3: is a very, very big deal to us. Uh, Now, we want to do that responsibly, and we always follow CDC guidelines, the league's protocols, uh, and, and that's what our team will continue to do.
2: Well, that's a big deal. That's Kevin Stefanski, the head coach who has COVID of the Browns. Baker Mayfield was at a charity event, and he had a mask on, and remember a couple of years ago with the Waller event here, and how the Raiders got hammered when it came to that fine for what happened Life has changed since then. Everybody knows about COVID protocol. And we're getting to the point in society again where people are going to have to wear a mask indoors. If these numbers skyrocket at the level they are, all you got to do is just follow London. Just follow England and what's happening there because it gets here two weeks later for whatever reason. And you're going to see people wearing masks indoors. And when the COVID guidelines change with football, the only big changes are going to be your separation again. Masks on indoors, even if you're vaccinated. And those decisions, you know, have to come pretty quick. The top headline as we speak right now at ESPN.com is the COVID rules. Changes to return to play protocols and intensive restrictions coming from Dan Graziano. Here we go. Effective immediately. All 32 NFL teams will be placed in intense COVID protocols until the conclusion of week 15. This means the impedition of mandatory mask wearing in the team facility, social distancing, grab-and-go meal service in the team cafeteria, all virtual meetings. Wow. All virtual meetings, limits on the number of people allowed in the weight room, and restrictions on activities outside the facility. Some players only play football one year of their career, two years. The young men who are playing now over the last two seasons – have been completely restricted in their social lives. From going to get a bucket of wings, to going to a car wash, to walking inside to pick up food. Imagine what these players have gone through so they can keep the game going forward to entertain us so we can have a good time. These players have been through a lot. Jay in Vegas. Wrap it up, Jay. How are you?
0: And doing good. Thanks, JT, for taking my call. Thank you very much. So so I'm looking at this game, uh, JT, and I've been keeping an eye on the weather. And it looks like it's going to be a crappy weather. Yep. So the only thing I'm looking for, JT, and this has time of possession game written all mm-hmm. over it, JT. I think that at the end of the game, if the Raiders come out winning the time of possession, I, I, in my opinion, I feel like we win that game. Look, JT, I know you know things are you know Raider Nation you know isn't happy with Josh Jacobs right now. I'm disappointed in the way he's been playing all year. But, again, with this weather, and you're not facing a high-powered offense, again, with Case Keenum starting, mm-hmm. plus with the weather, I'm, I'm, if I'm Coach Passaccia, I'm, I'm pounding his chest. And I'm telling Josh Jacobs, look, man, I'm, I'm going to give you 25 to 30 opportunities to get me 100 yards. Not can you or would you or would you. I want 100 yards. He's going to be key in moving the chains and, and, and uh, key in, in winning the time of possession uh, you know, as far as this game is concerned, uh, look, another challenge for unique and and Max Crosby. Look, they got Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney yep. out on the other side. Well, you know that, what? Now it's time for you to be you know, Win that matchup. It's time for you to win that matchup. Excellent. And, and with you, uh, I'm with you, JT. I want. I, I love what I'm seeing with Divine Diablo and mm-hmm. Malcolm Coons. You know what? Like you said, man. Players don't want to play. The Van Diablo said it himself. There are some players that came in
2: here. Got it. Know, Got to, no to run. For... Running out of time. The music's here. You had a really good phone call. Thank you. You don't have to apologize for putting pressure on Josh Jacobs in a game like this to have a big game. That's what this show's all about. Josh Jacobs has to be accounted for. He has to have a big game. He has to do more than he's done all year long. Period. That is the game plan. You nailed it. But I'll just say this. There better be some big plays. Carr can take shots in bad weather. And Deshaun Jackson is as experienced as any wide receiver in this league. He can catch a ball in the wind in bad weather. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together, all of our guests. Everybody, thank you. Happy holidays. Try to come to the M on Saturday and see us 1130 pregame.